Before the interview starts, I'd like to let you know of a discount code I've been given. If after listening to the interview, you'd like to have a consult with William, you can go to his website, thecarnivalshreddingprogram.com, and if you enter the coupon code BIOHACKER, that's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-E-R, you'll get $10 off a consult. Welcome to Biohackers Lab, a place where we talk to smart people who are figuring out how to improve health in interesting ways. Join us to discover how you can biohack your life, your body, starting today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Biohackers Lab. I'm your host, Gary Kerwin, and on today's episode, I have William Schufelt. William is an actor, speaker, and health and fitness advocate known for his portrayal of Brody the Red Power Ranger on Power Rangers Ninja Steel. William, thank you so much for coming on for an episode for today. Thank you. Um, really good to speak with you, Gary. So it's it's sort of later evening for you and it's early morning for me. So I'm here uh, chugging some coffee and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So I know a lot of people, I, I give a really short intro, but you've done so much in your time already and people might be wondering, are we going to be talking about Power Rangers today? What's going on? But <laughs> just let people <laughs> the, the, This will not be a marketing plug for Power Rangers, no. <laughs> so just to let people know, this is not the uh, Power Rangers diet that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be actually talking about your fascinating journey and the things that you've gotten up to, um, which I think listeners are going to really enjoy. So just to give people a little bit of background, a real high-level synopsis is that you've gone from a vegan diet to a carnivore diet, and we're going to delve into a lot of those different things today. So my first question to you would be, what got you interested in a vegan diet to begin with? So it's actually funny you ask because um, I was looking through and I've been looking for these old pictures of mine, these pictures where I had severe, severe acne at the time. This was about when I was maybe 15 or 16. And I'm talking about very severe. Every single inch of my face was covered in acne. Um, and I, I couldn't find those pictures for years. I just found them this morning. Uh, so it, it was pretty jarring to um, kind of remember those times. But that was actually kind of the thing that really got me interested in the vegan diet. It was severe acne was the number one thing. Um, and then on top of that, I had a lot of gut issues I don't know if I had leaky gut, but I definitely had a lot of digestive discomfort and I wasn't eating a very healthy diet. Um, this was high school. I was pretty much eating, you know, whatever I could get my hands on, spicy chicken sandwiches, oatmeal cookies, like, you know, typical sort of uh, junk American food. So I went off to college and I decided, okay, I have enough independence and enough freedom that I can choose my diet from here on out. Um, and I was making a little bit of income. So I decided I want to get rid of this skin issue. I want to be able to live a healthy life. So what's my best option? And at the time, there was a lot going on on YouTube with raw vegan diets, um, you know, raw till four, um, you know, different types of whole foods, plant-based vegan diets. So I started doing some more research on them. And I got really into Dr. Michael Greger's work on nutritionfacts.org. And I devoured just about every video on that site. And I fully adopted a whole foods plant-based diet that was very rich in um, organic leafy greens, cruciferous veggies, uh, beans, nuts, seeds, fruits, uh, legumes, lots of flax seeds. Every superfood you could think of, I was eating. I was So I would make these massive smoothies that would absolutely repulse my, uh, my roommates at the time. And it was full of leafy greens. I'd throw in tomatoes and beets and ginger root and uh, turmeric, 
flax seeds, you know, sometimes some omega-3s, plant-based omega-3s. Just, it tasted horrible. But to me, I was like, if that's what I got to do to keep my skin clear, I'm going to do it. If that's what I have to do to be healthy, I'm going to do it. Because only when you've gone through the pain of being extremely unhealthy and also, you know, having a very severe skin condition, will you realize that you're willing to do just about anything to get rid of it. So I go on this vegan diet and whole foods plant-based, and I do that for about four years. And I was extremely strict. Not once did I cheat. I didn't eat any processed foods. I didn't eat, you know, I wasn't consuming any sort of um, junk pretty much. There is a lot of vegan junk out there. Um, and I wasn't consuming any of that. So it was very, very strict vegan. And I basically did this thing to the best of my ability, read so many books, watched the documentary, studied all the articles online. I did the supplementation, the B12, the D3. Um, you know, I made sure my iron was up there, made sure my protein was good. I was really doing this thing to the best of my ability. Over time, my health progressively got worse and worse. I consistently had um, a very bloated stomach, also very gassy. I never felt any real feeling of satiety after a meal. And I would have to eat these copious amounts of food, just huge meals full of fiber. And I was consuming probably close to 50 to 75 grams of fiber a day, which most people don't get anywhere near that. That's a, that's a pretty big amount of fiber. So to have that amount of bulk in your intestines, um, it was rough. <laughs> it truly was roughage. So um, I was doing that, and things just got worse and worse. My energy was getting worse. Uh, you know, every two hours, I would just get this really hypoglycemic feeling, and I would have to eat no matter what it was. I, I would just have to go eat. So I always had to bring snacks with me. So finally, I, I get into the first season of Power Rangers. I'm now out of college, and I'm, I'm going through this Power Rangers gig. And we have really early call times. Got to get up super early. I'm trying to stay in shape for this. It's very stunt heavy, martial arts heavy. And finally, that first season's over. And my health is just like, it's, it's rock bottom. It's never been this bad. I was completely fatigued. And I had so much trouble focusing. And I finally realized, okay, look, you got to make a change. And that's when I started, you know, researching different dietary approaches. And I stumbled upon ketogenic diets. Okay, so yeah, that's a great interest to the the problem you were trying to solve, which is why most people adopt a certain way of eating. And in your case, the biggest yes. trigger was was acne, and I can yes. completely relate to that. I mean, I had severe acne and had to go on Rakuten and cortisone yes. injections when they get really bad. And yeah, I I can I can feel your pain when when you're in that situation. You will do absolutely anything to try get your skin right. You'll scrub it. You'll oh, yeah. do whatever anyone says just to stop this thing from happening. So uh, yeah. just before we move on then with uh, your transition to the carnival, did you find the vegan diet improved your skin dramatically? Absolutely. Um, it actually, it did wonders for my skin. And we can talk a little bit about why that is. Uh, it's, it, I personally don't believe it's necessarily removing animal products. It, I think it more so had to do with removing a lot of inflammatory vegetable oils, um, processed carbohydrates, really sort of insulinogenic foods, because consider that I'm, I'm not eating, um, I wasn't eating white rice, I wasn't eating a bunch of pasta, I was getting my carbohydrates from things like sweet potatoes, from beans, from vegetables. So those are also very fibrous. And you know, if you're on a ketogenic diet, you'll know that fiber sort of inhibits that insulin spike a bit. So it'll help mitigate that. So ultimately, I think reducing those insulin spikes that was probably a crucial part of it. The antioxidants may have also helped. 
um, a lot of those plant nutrients. So the plant-based diet absolutely helped my skin. A ketogenic diet was also fantastic for my skin, and I'm, my skin's still doing fine on the carnivore diet. So I think ultimately the the underlying lesson is to steer clear of processed foods, of you know sort of very refined carbohydrates, and especially inflammatory vegetable oils and highly you know refined oils. I think that's probably the best thing you can do. And other things that I would recommend. So you mentioned Accutane. I also did Accutane. Um, so I'm, I'm sure you also felt, you know, you, you constantly had to put on lip balm. So I still carry <laughs> with me birth bees to this day, um, because my lips were always chapped and, you know, your skin gets really dry, but essentially Accutane is very high dose vitamin A. Um, and so one of the things I like to do still to this day is to consume a good amount of beef liver because beef liver is also very high vitamin A also in a very bioavailable form. And I find that it helps uh, my skin. Omega-3s are also fantastic, so I still do cod liver oil, um, and I find that helps out as well. Those are some fantastic actionable tips for any parents also listening to the show right now who have a child, a teenager who's going through severe acne, and they're just thinking, what do we do? You know, we'll take the turn to the dermatologist. Um, but yeah, I mean, these tips that you're sharing now, I would, I would agree. Like if I go back to my teenage days, I would love someone to tell me this, and I would try, yes. do, I would try do this first. <laughs> oh my gosh, I wish somebody told me. Okay, so maybe since we're on the topic, can I just throw out a couple more things? Go for it. Um, okay, so intermittent fasting helps you reduce insulin levels throughout the day. It'll also help go through that process of autophagy where your skin, it, well, basically your body is essentially recycling a lot of damaged um, or old cells. So fasting will absolutely, I believe, help with acne. I also believe that aerobic forms of cardio help because aerobic forms of cardio essentially speed up the fasting mechanism. So it has very similar um, effects on the body as fasting. So I really like to encourage zone two cardio, which is it's just above that really nice zone one where you're walking and, and it's very low intensity. Zone two, you kind of kick it up a notch to where it's hiking or it's biking or um, you know, you're walking briskly or maybe it's a light jog. So um, zone two is often defined as 180 minus your age, and then that would be your target heart rate zone. So I would recommend that as well. And then maybe one last thing you could do uh, just for the antioxidant benefits, and antioxidants have been found to be helpful in remedying acne. Um, potentially, you could do some green tea. I like to throw a bunch of tea bags in there uh, for green tea, make a very strong green tea. And then um, I sometimes squeeze in some lemon in there, and I find that that can be helpful as well. So yeah, those are sort of, um, it's funny that we got on this tangent, but I really, really feel for young people that go through, um, you know, severe acne because really it was people look at you differently. People treat you differently. Um, it's, it's a huge social stigma and, you know, parents sort of, uh, oh, you know, well, you're a kid, you'll get over it. Um, you know, you'll grow out of it, but at the time you don't want to hear that. You want to get rid of it immediately. So, um, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, again, thank you for, uh, for sharing those tips because I know we were going to go more on this carnivore diet, but I mean, just because you yeah. brought that up, um, it, it is, it's, you can think of any, like all the people following you. I mean, the age ranges that they follow you and there'll be teenagers who go like, I wish I could be like William, but my skin is so bad and so I'm self-conscious. I don't know if I'll be an extrovert. And it's like, well, actually try these things and, you know, we can try to see if we can get your skin clear and then you can take on the next task and, you know, 
do these things Absolutely. that you want to do in life. So no, I think these are fantastic tips. Um, but even here, we're talking about teenagers, but you know, you're going to have adults listening to this who get adult onset acne too. So this yeah. is something that they can even try. So no, fantastic things that you're sharing already. That's the whole awesome. idea behind this show is actionable tips and you're already dropping those knowledge bombs. So that's fantastic. Okay. Um, so you, so you mentioned then bringing transitioning from a vegan diet onto a ketogenic diet and carnivore diet because of your fatigue. Um, what was that transition like? How did you find that going from, in your case, because you weren't doing it from a animal, animal welfare ethical point of view, you were doing it just for general health. I guess that it was easier for you to go, I'm willing to try this. You didn't have this big problem of going. I'm so scared to even touch this meat because I because th- I, I I believe I'm doing harm to, for an animal. Is that the kind of transition you went through? You were okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. To me, the um the the supposed ethical or moral high ground that you achieve on a vegan diet was sort of like a nice added benefit. I thought, okay, well, if I'm helping animals out as well and it's helping my health, well, this is great. Um. And now I actually realize in retrospect that there's a lot more to agriculture and to animal welfare and also to the environmental impacts uh, of, you know, consuming animals than I thought. So being whole foods, plant-based or vegan might not necessarily always be the best solution for the animals, for the planet. Um, but that, that's a long argument and it's not something I've studied very well, so I'll keep my mouth shut. But <laughs> I, I can sense trolls already clicking on my Instagram. Damn you. Um, <laughs> no, but so for me, yes, it wasn't necessarily for ethical reasons. It was for health reasons. So I didn't face any strong moral dilemmas when I began to consume animal products again. But I was concerned about my health. So ultimately, I sort of reached a compromise with myself where I said, look, I'm young. Let me give this a little bit of time. Let me experiment with this. I'm not going to get cancer in a year. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to severely damage my health by, by suddenly consuming meat. So let me just give it a shot. And obviously, the more research I did into it, then you realize ketosis is fantastic for, um, you know, helping treat cancer and it's fantastic for your health in general. So I, I started to realize what I was doing was actually a great thing, um, health wise, but. It's, it's funny the way I did this. I, I'm always a little bit extreme with how I apply things. So when I decided to go on to this ketogenic diet, there was no incremental uh, gradation or, or I didn't slowly titrate down to, um, to getting into a state of ketosis. It was one day of eating a you know, ton of greens and apples and sweet potatoes and all that kind of stuff. To the next day, I literally had two steaks and two of these chicken, I think uh, these skewers where they have a ton of uh, little chicken things on them. I didn't know much about high fat at the time. So I just figured I'll just eat a ton of animal protein. And um, the truth is, I always tell people this, and a lot of people think I must be lying. But um, I felt fantastic. I didn't have any digestive issues with it. A lot of people thought I would get sick, or I would get constipated, or keto flu would hit me like a train. Um, I really felt pretty great and I didn't really have any issues with it. So that surprised me. I was really looking forward to seeing what happens to my body when I start to consume meat again. And pretty much what happened in that first week was, uh, like I said, I was going extreme with this. So I was eating, <laughs> I was going one meal a day. I would fast all day and I would train while I was fasted doing cardio and weightlifting. And then about 8 p.m. at night, I would consume a huge meal of, you know, steak. Um, maybe throw in some avocado. I would do, you know, uh, maybe some eggs, some bacon, 
And pretty much what I thought a ketogenic diet was, I, I didn't, it was later that I started to do bulletproof coffees and stuff like that. So I would do that. And the first thing I noticed was I was dropping weight very fast. So obviously the water weight came out of me. I didn't know much about a uh, higher salt. So the water weight just flushed right out of me. And then I was also dropping a ton of fat by doing that one meal a day sort of protocol along with the fasted lifting and cardio. So th this sounds crazy to a lot of people, but I think within a week, I dropped about maybe 10 pounds. I might have dropped 10 pounds in a week. Um, and people might think that's, that's impossible. Well, if you combine the water weight with the fat loss, and then the fact that I'm eating about one meal a day, and these are high protein, lower fat, low, extremely low carb meals. Um, it's very possible, you know, boxers do this all the time. People trying to make a weight cut for a sport do this all the time. So, um, yeah, I dropped quite a bit of weight. And to me, that was, that was something I wanted to do as well. Cause I really wanted to get that kind of lean and ripped physique. So I was like, okay, I found the Holy grail. This is fantastic. Um, <laughs> doesn't require me to drink these disgusting smoothies. And one of the most amazing things was the whole bloated feeling completely a thing of the past. You know, you consume a bunch of animal protein and fat and my stomach would just stay flat. I didn't have a bloated feeling. There was no gassiness. Um, it, it, it really was just a, a great process for me. So that was kind of what the transition looked like. And, um, I think my body slowly over time probably became more efficient with ketones and with fat metabolism. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much how the transition went for me. Yeah. And it sounds interesting because I guess when people think, think of a ketogenic diet, I guess I did the same thing when I first adopted it was you go more on the high fat side. So you're just trying to consume bucket loads of butter and, you know, all kinds of oils and stuff. But it sounds like you actually went in more at the keto carnival route. You went more, you know, yeah. higher protein, which is interesting too. So it's a different way that people are even now adopting a, a ketogenic diet more from a carnival route too, like higher protein levels. Um, yeah. And yeah, a common question would be too, oh, I've been eating vegan for so long. Like, do I make enough enzymes? Am I going to be able to break down the fat, the protein? And it sounds like, yeah, you didn't have any issues after multiple years of eating that way too. So it's great for, for people to hear that. Um, so would you, say, would you classify yourself now the, the way that you eat more as ketogenic carnivore? Is that sort of how you would say you it is? Um, I, I recently saw a term by, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Don Matez or Don Matez, um, he, he publishes a lot of fantastic content online about carnivore diets, ketogenic diets. Um, and he's sort of coined this term of the hyper carnivore diet. And I think that would actually be um, a pretty reasonable description of what I do nowadays. So it's definitely not the steak and water diet. That's, that's not really how I approach carnivore. I absolutely do. The basis of what I eat is red meat, eggs, and then in smaller amounts, I'll consume some high fat dairy and not really milk, but um, more so cottage cheese, hard cheeses, occasional Greek yogurt. Um, and then I'll also do like poultry, bacon, um, pretty much things like that. So that's the majority of my diet, but it really all revolves around red meat and eggs. Oh, and of course, I, I do um, beef liver probably about two, three times a week. And then on top of that, occasionally I'll add these in just rarely when I feel like I should, and that'll be low sugar fruit. So things like, um, maybe some berries, maybe some tomatoes, cucumbers, avocados, things like that. 
So it's, it's not like full on carnivore, don't touch a plant because I've found for me, I don't necessarily have, I don't think I have the autoimmune issues that a lot of carnivores do have. Um, a lot of carnivores get on the diet because that's literally the only food they can tolerate. You know, I've told you about the vegan diet for me. So clearly I can tolerate, um, huge amounts of plant food. So yeah, for me, I find that I feel best when I really stick to a higher protein, a pretty high fat and extremely low carbohydrate diet. Um, that works best for me. Okay. And are you still on the one meal a day program or are you eating more meals a day? Have you adjusted that way? Yeah. So for me, it's usually one to two meals a day. I do prefer to train fasted. So usually I'll train um, at some time in the morning and then I'll just wait throughout the day until I feel like strong hunger and then I'll decide to eat. I don't like to eat if I don't feel truly hungry. Um, I, I think I should just wait it out. So yeah, I do like training fasted in the morning. I tend to have really great performance like that. And then I'll usually end up doing about one or two meals, probably somewhere from 12 to 3 p.m., and then maybe a later dinner from maybe 7 or 8 p.m. Yeah. Okay. And how does that fit in with the work schedule? So, you know, you're an actor, you're, you're there in Hollywood, LA, and you're, you're on set. Um, I mean, you've got the, the catering table and it's full of snacks all the time. Um, I'm just wondering, is this, so do you, you don't feel like even if you're on, on oh, I, I guess you said uh, you do eat that lunchtime. So is it easy enough for you to get your, the, the, the food that you need on set too? Yeah, absolutely. So I usually make a point to catering beforehand that I do follow a certain diet um, and I try to make it really simple for them. I just tell them, hey, could you make me, you know, a good amount of animal protein and eggs? That's it. You don't have to make it fancy. Don't add any garnishes. Don't add sauces, you know, just salt it up. Um, and they usually do a great job. And and actors tend to be very um, annoying with their diets. You know, everybody's on like some sort of diet. So uh, the catering is usually like they're going to get grass fed and wild caught and pasture raised and everything's just like the perfect animal protein. So I don't tend to have any issues with that. For me, sometimes I, I do have a tendency to get up really, really early and work out before I get to set. So sometimes if I'm doing that, and let's say I'm famished at eight in the morning, I will eat. I, I don't think that you should push through fasting if your body, if you could feel your cortisol is starting to rise and you could feel that really stressed out, hungry feeling and you're sleep deprived. And um, you know, let's say you've been working out really hard and you're, you're working really hard at your job. And let's say you just feel famished, you should eat. You know, your body's clearly telling you something. Eat and try to sleep that night. You know, um, I used to do, you know, you'd push through a fast and, oh, it's not time for my eating window yet. So who cares if I'm hungry? Just drink more coffee and push through. I really don't believe in that anymore. I think that your body sends you very strong signals when you're consuming the right foods, when you're sleeping well, and when you're training. Your body will, will basically tell you what it needs. So it's important to listen to that once you've lined up those um, crucial factors. Now, if you're not sleeping or if you're not eating the right foods or if you're not training, then a lot of those signals that your body's telling you are going to be off. They might be fueled by the blood sugar highs and lows, or you know, perhaps if you're not training, you're not depleting liver glycogen. Um, so it is important to do those things. But at the end of the day, you know, we all do what we can, and you know, you sort of have to pick your battles and. Sometimes I do get really sleep deprived. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about there is all biohacking, N equals one, and just listen to your body and become more fine-tuned and adjust as needed. Um, yeah. Just, again, I think that's a great tip for people is you don't always have to be regimental, just actually listen to your body. And a lot of um, carnivores that I've, I've interviewed, like Kelly Hogan, she said the exact same thing, you know, eat to hunger, and that, that was the biggest thing that made her lose something like 150 pounds, you know, and yes. can get all her fertility back, which... So keep it yeah. really simple at the end of the day, even though it can see, seem complicated to begin with. Um, yeah. So when you were on the vegan diet, you were supplementing. Are you still supplementing, even though you're now on a hyper-carnivore diet? Yeah, so it's very minimal supplementation. So I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I do. Um, I guess the only, well, may, maybe two supplements. So I take a, a magnesium about once or twice a day. So that would amount to maybe one to two teaspoons of this magnesium supplement. A lot of people are familiar with it, uh, Calm, the Calm brand for magnesium, natural vitality or something like that. Um, so I usually take that maybe at some point in the middle of the day and then definitely at night before I go to sleep. So I usually have some of that. Um, and then I definitely salt my foods, usually Himalayan pink salt, salt my foods to taste. Occasionally, if I've trained really, really hard and I've, you know, maybe used the sauna, then I'll maybe consume some salt afterwards just to sort of replenish my body. So I do that. Um, I also occasionally will do some cod liver oil. So it's usually the, uh, I think it's the Carlson's Norwegian or, um, I forget where they get it from, but it's, it's like a wild cod liver oil and it's probably lemon flavored. Um, so I'll take sometimes I like to take more cod liver oil than most people. So I like to do maybe one or two tablespoons of that. Um, and then the other thing that I do, it's not really a supplement, but beef liver. So like I said, I consume that two to three times a week. Um, it's actually calf liver. So I like to do that. And if I don't have access to that, I like to take beef liver tablets. So let's see, that's, that's pretty much it. That's all I take. Um, it's pretty minimal. Yeah, that is. I mean, compared to maybe what you were supplementing with before, you know, you could probably, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, much, much, much more simpler. And um, uh, yeah, I was interested with you know, with a with a beef liver there too, because um, that that is something that I think a lot of new carnivores aren't adopting because um, they'll just eat mainly a beef diet, like you said, beef and water. But um, I, after my conversation with Dr. Zofia Clemens in Hungary, I mean, they eat a lot of organ meats. And I guess that's another yeah. secret element to this diet. If you want to take yourself to another level, maybe is consume some organ meat and, and liver is an easy one to consume. Yeah, I, I think organ meats, if you're really looking at carnivore diets from an ancestral point of view, it's very difficult to divorce the notion of consuming organ meats and bone marrow and let's say brains and all these different foods. Um, you know, it, it's, it's probably very rare that these ancestral communities were consuming just straight up muscle meat. So they were consuming basically animals that were fed their natural diets and they were consuming most of the animals one would assume. Um, I doubt they were wasteful. So, you know, at the end of the day, we have to do the best we can and not everybody has access to or maybe has the uh, taste for brains or kidneys or different glands. So you can definitely consume beef liver. Um, that one, I think people should just suck it up and <laughs> try to consume it. You know, um, but yeah, it doesn't taste great, but just don't overcook it and you'll be fine. So that's one of them. For me, I, I don't 
really care enough to look for, let's say, adrenal glands or to look for kidneys or sweetbreads and those kind of foods. So I like to take different supplements. I do have um, one of my favorite brands is Ancestral Supplements, and I do have their adrenal supplement. I have their bone marrow supplement. I also have, um, I think it's just a, a basic like organ supplement where they can cons- they combine a couple different organs. So I like to consume that every now and then. I'll sort of cycle these around. And of course, everybody knows about bone broth. Uh, I think bone broth is fantastic. I don't consume it much, but I do think there's something to be said for collagen. Mark Sisson has a lot of great content on collagen and um, sort of best ways to really absorb it. He'll sort of take it before a workout and then through blood flow, hopefully get it to the parts of his body that he that he needs it most. So I think that that's also something to consider. Um yeah, I think it really is important to optimize the carnivore diet, though. It's very simple to just straight up, you know, go and get your your grain-fed, um, the cheapest steak you can find, and just consume that, salt the heck out of it. But is that the healthiest diet in the long term? Uh, it's, it's difficult for me to say it is. You know, I, I do think um, just as an insurance policy, it's good to have maybe a bit more dietary diversity if your body can handle it. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. Um, you know, when you were talking about that supplementation, I actually w- did a little bit of research about that because I was thinking, okay, so if organ meats are so good for us, but I know there's going to be people who just don't like the smell of it, don't like the taste of it, they don't want to touch it or anything, and there's probably a supplement. And yeah, I came across ancestral supplements, and it's in- incredible all, all the kind of organs that he's put in- into a supplement. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so um, when you mentioned the cooking part, how has your cooking skill improved with trying to cook meat or even organs like liver? <laughs> well, I, I guess now I actually have cooking skill. So when I was vegan, strangely enough, I basically never really cooked. Um, I would microwave sweet potatoes. I would eat, consume all my leafy greens raw, or I would make those huge smoothies. Um, in terms of beans, I, you know, I would straight up kind of heat them up out of the can. Um, so I, I pretty much didn't really cook. Uh, it was pretty dismal, but for me, I got the results I wanted, so I didn't really care. But now, you know, eating animal foods, I'm, I'm not really a fan of consuming them raw. So my cooking skill has improved, but obviously it's still very minimal because for me, I just, I season my foods. Uh, I usually just put everything on a pan. I'll cook it either in its own fat on a nonstick pan, or occasionally I'll add some butter. I do like to moderate the amount of fat I'm consuming. Um, I guess this is where I differ from a lot of the ketogenic community is that I'm not necessarily afraid of gluconeogenesis. It doesn't hinder my particular goals. I'm not aiming for the highest level of ketosis possible. My, my ultimate focus is mental clarity and body composition. Those are the two things that I'm really looking at and sustaining a, you know, a very good level of health. So for me, Consuming higher protein and then restricting some of the, you know, that extreme fat intake that a lot of, you know, people in the ketogenic diet will consume. That's sort of where I found the sweet spot. So I do like to do, let's say maybe 150 to 200 grams of protein a day, which is a lot more than a lot of people uh, consume. And in terms of fat intake, I'll probably be at about 100 to 150 grams of fat. So this is still a high fat diet, you know. I'm probably consuming 50 to 60% of my daily energy intake from fat um, since it's so calorically dense. 
but it's also a, a very high protein intake. Um, so that, that's pretty much what I do. And in terms of cooking, yeah, it's very, very basic. I find honestly one of the best tips if you're trying to consume liver is to cook it on lower heat. As soon as you dry liver out and you're trying to chew through some dry, tough liver, oh my gosh, you got your work cut out for you. That's not fun. <laughs> um and when you were talking about uh the amount of food you eat have you noticed that's changed over time too uh because i mean you do a lot of weight training and resistance training and there's there are some people in the carnivore community who eat very big meals once a day too like a lot of meat are you in that camp where you eat a lot of food or are you still maybe um, lower down on the spectrum? How have you found it with your trying to maintain your body weight and your your growth of muscle with all the resistance training? Yeah, um, I find that the amount of food I eat completely depends on the amount of anaerobic activity I'm doing. So mostly weight training. If I'm doing a bunch of cardio, maybe because it's it's so lipolytic, maybe because it's such a fat-heavy um, thing, but I don't consume that much food. But if I'm doing a lot of weight training, particularly heavy weight training, my appetite skyrockets, and I start to eat, you know, two pounds of meat a day. On top of that, I'll consume about like eight eggs um, and then maybe some cottage cheese or something like that. So I can definitely start to consume some pretty big meals when I lift very heavy. Um, especially consistently. And if I'm lifting heavy every day, my appetite goes crazy. I usually lift heavy, let's say about three times a week. And I find that that's a really good level for me to hit my entire body. Also to give myself time for recovery and to maximize benefits from that. Um, and so I'm just not spending all my time in the gym. So my general food intake, I would say daily I'm consuming maybe one to one and a half pounds of red meat. I'll consume probably about eight to 10 eggs. On top of that, I'll consume some high fat dairy or maybe some poultry, maybe some bacon. Um, and that's pretty much what a day of food looks like for me. And that can be split up into one or two meals. Okay. Yeah. So that's great for just people to relate. And, um, and you're finding now, are you still gaining more muscle weight or are you sort of stable where you're at at the moment? Um, are you trying to get I, bigger? I no, I'm, I'm not really trying to get bigger. Um, I think I've basically sort of found a good level for me. The crazy thing is I've been about 155 pounds since I was probably 15 and I'm 23 right now. So I, I think that's just my body's weight. But what has changed is obviously the body composition. So the amount of fat has come down and the amount of muscle has come up. Um, so I have put muscle on over time. But the truth is I'm, I'm happy with the way my body is. Like a, a lot of guys that get into weight training have that whole bigorexia thing and they're never quite where they want to be. And they always, you know, their trap doesn't have this vein and they need a, a, their rear delt to look like this. I'm pretty happy with the way I look. Um, for me, what I'll do is if I just want to get that extra amount of leanness, I'll up my cardio a little bit. Um, I'll maybe increase the fasting a bit. I'll up the protein a little bit and pull back on the fats a bit. Um, so that would be like restricting some of the dairy, restricting some of the bacon, really sticking to the meat and eggs, um, really draining the pan when I'm cooking too. I've, I've also found that to be a very helpful tip. So when you've got all that bacon fat there in the pan, you don't necessarily need to drain it all over your food. Um, sometimes you can toss that. So 
yeah, I'll sort of restrict the fat calories, increase the cardio and increase the fasting. If I'm just trying to get like the bottom abs to pop or something like that, or there's a photo shoot coming up, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my physique at this point. I basically, I don't track, um, the weights that I'm lifting. I also don't count reps anymore. I basically go in the gym. I know what body parts I want to hit. So let's say I want to do a shoulder and back workout. So I will combine calisthenics and powerlifting. So I'll be doing just high intensity. I'll do overhead um, barbell presses. And then I might do some um, some handstand push-ups. I might do some pull-ups and then some barbell rows. I'll just combine uh, calisthenics and more powerlifting compound lifts. And I find that that's a good combination for me. And I'm ultimately aiming for intensity and just to push myself as much as I can. Um, I'm not sticking to a set rest period or set repetitions or anything like that. That is absolutely valuable if you're trying to gain strength or if you have very particular goals about where you're trying to get, um, especially if you're young and you want to put some size on. Definitely, you know, track your power lifts, track your squat, bench, deadlift, all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, you know, if you're happy with what you're doing, then just go in there, be intense, enjoy yourself. And, um, you don't have to constantly be seeking the next level of performance if, um, if you're not trying to be an Olympic athlete, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, I can't share the pictures of you now. I mean, so, some people I've interviewed aren't wearing a shirt. You're wearing a shirt. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm talking about, um, Dr. Tro. That was a funny interview. But, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Uh, I'll, sh I'll share pictures of you too on on the YouTube video for anyone watching. But I mean, yeah, you've got a fantastic physique, man. You've you've done Thank fantastically you. well with your with with your physique, and I think you are at a at a great stage. You know, you're not too big, you're not too small, and you've just got great definition all over. So you know, I guess like fitness model size. Um, so it's it's definitely you're looking good. Um, Thank you. Drink wise, we didn't go into that yet. You mentioned you drink coffee because that's always a big thing yeah. when people adopt this way of eating they go uh, is it just water or can can i have coffee because i love my coffee um even alcoholic drinks what what are your feelings then on that hmm. so yeah ultimately that's a case-by-case -case thing so i'll say for me individually i've done a lot of experimentation with coffee doing no coffee drinking more coffee uh drinking one to two cups like different times of the day how it affects me I used to have um, a lot of concerns about cortisol and about my circadian rhythms and about I'd be taking my ashwagandha and I would constantly be trying to manipulate so many variables. But I've found basically what I do is I'll drink maybe three to four cups of coffee in the morning and I will have pretty much a hard cutoff at maybe 12 p.m. or 1 p.m. And that'll give my body, you know, a good amount of time to start to get the caffeine out of my system. I don't have any trouble with sleeping. Uh, as I've told you, I, I don't sleep too much. So as soon as I get to bed, I, I knock out cold. Um, and my sleep quality, I think, is pretty good. Um, I, I sleep through the night. I wake up feeling energized, um, especially after that first cup of coffee. <laughs> um, so I feel pretty good. And coffee is something that I absolutely enjoy. It really adds... For me, it adds a lot of benefit and happiness to my day. It, it's just like, it's like a comfort food. You know, it's something you enjoy doing in the morning. People talk about their morning routines and rituals. I love coffee. It's, it's something I enjoy and it doesn't hinder any of my major goals. If I found coffee was keeping me up at night or it was just skyrocketing my cortisol and I was having anxiety throughout the day, um, or it was completely yellowing my teeth, I don't know. 
uh, whatever, whatever sort of issues people might have with coffee. Yes, you, you might want to look at restricting that. And there are different alternatives and you can maybe go for tea or you can just straight up cut out all caffeinated beverages. But I really believe that you do have to pick your battles and determine what's the optimal level for you. You don't always have to do everything 100% perfectly. Um, determine what your goals are and then get to those goals and then create a lifestyle within that. Uh, and, and that's something that's really, really important. I find a lot of people that become very obsessed with this stuff and um, there's no level at which they're satisfied. So for me personally, um, you know, if I'm able to maintain a lot of energy, if I'm healthy, if I have great gym performance, if I like my body composition, if I can get all of my work done throughout the day and I'm not anxious or jittery, then that's a good day for me. So I find that I can drink a good, you know, three to four cups of coffee in the morning. I have that hard cutoff time. Um, I do drink a good amount of water. I like my sparkling water. I occasionally drink tea, not nearly as much as I used to, um, but I occasionally drink tea. I, I was sort of raised on tea. I, I'm not sure um, since I know you're over um, in the UK, correct? Yeah, a little island called the Isle of Man. So it's right Isle next Man. door. Yeah, so, so I know tea is probably a, a much bigger thing there. Is that For right? For sure. Yeah, definitely. My mom was from British Guyana, which was a colony of um, of the crown. So they were raised on a ton of black tea. And, you know, obviously you pour in the milk, you pour in the sugar. And that was like our, our drink of choice growing up. So I was addicted to tea as a kid. But um, I just don't have a taste for it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I'm personally a coffee drinker myself. Um, yeah, I've got British yeah. heritage, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. You sometimes find you're either a tea drinker or a coffee drinker. I don't know what it is. Why, you know, it's like why you... <laughs> Oh yeah, I can't have that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So when you were mentioning too that you've had bulletproof coffee, I guess some people are coming to the carnivore diet from a ketogenic diet, even a bulletproof diet. So you know they've they've been drinking bulletproof coffees. Do you um do you feel that some people could drink too many bulletproof coffees, like too much butter in their coffee, or would you feel that like you just want one to start off with and then you go into a different type of coffee, like just black coffee or coffee with cream? I mean, uh, what? How do you like to have your coffee? Yeah, so that's actually a great point to to bring up. I personally don't consume any fatty coffees anymore. Occasionally, I will put in a bit of heavy cream if I just feel like it, but I really don't add fat to my coffees anymore. For me, I'm always looking at parts of my diet where I could restrict the fat calories while maximizing satiety. And if you look at um, uh, Dr. Ted Naiman posts these fantastic um, graphics, and he's got one that shows where you can have the lowest ad libitum caloric intake, which basically means if you're not intentionally restricting calories what is the best macronutrient breakdown where you eat the least amount of energy? And that tends to be very high protein, sort of moderate fat, very, very low carb, which is the sort of diet that I try to follow. So I don't find any added benefit in adding fat to my coffee. Some people, you know, if they're really trying to push a fasting window, they'll add the fat to the coffee because they'll find that it'll increase satiety. But that fat you're adding to the coffee is a good three, four, 500 calories a lot of the time. And think of how much fasting that's going to take to burn off. Now, the traditional ketogenic mentality used to be, it's not calories in, calories out. It's insulin. Insulin is, um, you know, the whole fat loss game is all about insulin. 
But I think we've sort of matured beyond that a little bit where we realize that there is an energy balance and there absolutely is a hormonal question to it. Um, and, and then, you know, um, sort of nutrients and thyroid function, and a lot of those things play into it. But for me, I, I don't do fatty coffees anymore. And back in the day, so <laughs> sort of when I was just getting into keto, I told you about how I started very high protein and very carnivore when I just started keto. Well, then I veered off the deep end and I was doing a ton of dark chocolate. I would eat two avocados a day, two whole avocados. Every bite of, um, of beef that I would take, I would scoop some butter along with it. I'd be consuming that. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't shredded yet. I was like, I'm eating so much fat. How does my body not know how to burn fat by now? Um, my bulletproof coffees would consist of maybe two tablespoons of butter and uh, some coconut oil and then some MCT on top of that. Um, I'm telling you, I was eating a lot of fat, maybe 250 grams of fat a day sometimes, um, very high amounts of fat. And it absolutely stopped me from getting lean. It, I only started to get lean when I started to realize like, okay, you know, the, the protein isn't necessarily the enemy. Um, don't worry too much about the protein insulin spikes because they'll come back down. I am fasting throughout the day. So up the protein, drop the fat back a little bit. And that's when like the body fat really started to come off. So, uh, people can do fatty coffee if you want. I mean, it's, it's not super nutrient dense. If you find it really helps you or you just love the taste of it, go ahead. It's not unhealthy, but I just don't find it to be a very nutrient dense or helpful food for my personal goals. Mm -hmm. And with this way of eating now, do you see this as a long-term way that you can sustain for many years or... We, we sort of touched on it earlier about if you only ate red meats, you're not quite sure if this is going to be sustainable long-term. The way that you've mixed things up, would you say you see that as being a long-term solution? It's not just a short-term fix, you know, for 12 months or so. You could actually eat this for multiple years. I believe so, but I believed just as strongly when I was vegan. So I've sort of adopted a mentality where I don't like to um, – I don't like to say this is the only way, this is the best way, and for the rest of my life, I'm going to do this because it, I've just been proven wrong so many times. I think like, you know, the, the ultimate, uh, the philosopher's quote of, you know, um, one thing we know is that we know nothing. Uh, that's sort of the mentality I take to it. I'm always learning and we're always learning new things about nutrition. And it's, it's crazy how much new research is coming out about nutrition. And then we realize how little we actually knew. So at the moment, with the information that's out there and the research that I've done, I think this is the best approach. And it's the best approach I've ever found. It's given me amazing results. It's given so many people amazing results. And I would be hard-pressed to find um, anybody that can, that can convince me that it's an unhealthy way to eat. Will that change in the future? Possibly, if there's new research that comes out that proves me wrong. Um, but for the moment, I think consuming very high quality animal proteins and healthy fats and really um, keeping those carbohydrates low. If you are consuming carbohydrates, you know, of, of the whole food variety and staying away from uh, grains and sticking more with um, smaller starchy tubers, um, some fruits, some low sugar fruit, things like that. Basically, a true whole foods diet that aims for foods hopefully before the agricultural revolution i think that's a solid diet um so i, I guess talking about like a, a typical paleo diet but 
the version of that that I'm doing where it's very carnivorous and ketogenic, I really like that for me. And that's what I plan to do for the rest of my life. Um, but I might be putting my foot in my mouth, so we'll see. <laughs> well, it's it's always that with little asterisks, you know. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because it's, yeah. it's great right now until I get new information. Maybe I'll, I'll make a different decision. Have you exactly. influenced any other actors to eat this way yet? I have, yeah. Um, that's actually been really fun. So I've, I've had a lot of different castmates that um, will notice my physique progress and the sort of things I do. And then also the fact that I'm eating a massive plate full of <laughs> beef and eggs and, and cottage cheese and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's a very curious way of eating because most people know that actors subsist on uh, salads and, and ice cubes and things like that. So um, it's definitely different. The low-carb diet does have some basis in, in the, I guess, acting world in Hollywood. You know, a lot of Hollywood types have delved into Atkins and, and whatnot. But um, this particular variety, the carnivore uh, diet, I have influenced some actors, actors to do it, and they've had fantastic results. Um, you know, th they're not going to go out and tell the whole world about it, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, they've had great results and they really enjoy it. So I've gotten, I've gotten a few people to do it. Okay. Well, I definitely see it becoming more and more popular out in LA too. Um, yeah. Do you help any other people um if they want to learn how you eat or do you do any consulting kind of work what a great segue <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you visit the carnivore shredding program.com i do in fact have a guide that i've published which it's not necessarily um like look here's a 12-week program and and eat this food and at this time but i've basically combined everything i've learned about fasting and nutrition um, and also sort of ancestral diets and the science behind, um, you know, the, the insulin hypothesis and energy in, energy out. And um, pretty much everything I've learned about body composition, ketogenic diets, carnivorous diets. And then the best approach I've found for your health and for your body composition to get as lean and healthy as possible while maximizing performance in the gym. So I've put that into the carnivore shredding program uh, or, or the carnivore shredding ebook, I should say. On that website so that's the carnivore shredding program.com and yeah I also do offer consults on there so if people want to schedule 30 minutes and talk about that um, they can absolutely contact me about that and we could try to get that set up um, so yeah I, I have started to delve into that area yeah I mean just speaking with you this is the first time I've ever had a chance to speak with you I mean I can hear you're very knowledgeable and you can you're connecting a whole bunch of dots and you're willing to look into multiple rabbit holes to find the best solution and I like that way of thinking um, thank so, you appreciate yeah. that um, so we've we mentioned the, the, the carnivore shredding program but um, exactly. are, are there any other ways that people can keep in touch with you you know like follow your progress what you're up to this is the time to say if you've got any specific social platforms that you're more active on yeah definitely so I guess I'm most active on Instagram so that's at William Schufeld my last name is S-H-E-W-F-E-L-T um, so Instagram I post a lot of content there in my stories, you'll see a lot of sort of gym footage, um, food pictures, things like that. And then you can keep up with what I'm doing on there. I'm, let's see what else I'm active on. That's pretty much it. I, I do some YouTube vlogs. So some day in the life vlogs, you can see, you know, maybe behind the scenes footage about what it's like to be an actor um, and sort of go through my days. A lot of what I'm doing currently is I'm doing appearances. 
So I'll do convention appearances where we meet with Power Ranger fans and you, you sort of say hi to them and sign autographs. And it's a very fun thing. You get to travel around. And um, so I do a lot of that. I also do uh, speaking engagements. So I've been speaking at universities and also different conferences and conventions about health and fitness and also goal setting. Goal setting is a huge part of my life. It absolutely changed my life. Um, through goal setting, I was able to three years ago, literally three years ago, I had never acted. Um, I was an economics student who was broke, unhealthy, pretty depressed, um, really had not too much going for me in life. And through goal setting, I was able to clear my skin. I was able to um, create the physique that I wanted to leave college and to pursue the career of my dreams and to ultimately, you know, book these acting roles. And now I'm starting to work more in the health and fitness industry while continuing to act and do commercials and different things. So I am a very, very strong believer in goal setting. So, um, yeah, that's sort of uh, some of the things that I've been up to lately. And I, I mean, I guess if you have little kids, if you want to watch Power Rangers every Saturday on Nickelodeon and we're on Netflix. So that's Power Rangers Ninja Steel. And you can see me um, fighting Lord Ketonian or whoever else there is. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I mean, William, thank you so much for giving me your time today just to share your story. Um, the, again, there were so many actionable tips that you shared, you know, from the acne story that we talked about in the beginning to a lot of other little tidbits that went through there. And just listening to what you're up to, man, I, I can see following you is going to be fascinating over the next few years. You, you're a go-getter. You're going to get stuff done in this world, um, even more wow. so than what you've done so today. So again, thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing your story. Thank you so much, Gary. It was an absolute pleasure. I, I really appreciate it. Uh -huh.